Just a few announcements to share with you before we begin worship. A, re a reminder, Lenten Midweek Worship continues on Wednesday nights and Wednesday mornings. Uh, 11 a.m. is the morning service, 6.30 p.m. is the evening service. Please join us also for a light supper prior to that evening worship service. So supper starts around 5 p.m. down in the gym and, and then uh, worship starts at 6.30. So please join us for supper and for worship on Wednesdays during Lent. Reminder, too, that next week, or this upcoming week, Saturday, uh, the a cappella choir and symphonic band from Living Word Lutheran High School in Jackson, Wisconsin, will be leading the worship, uh, the, the music in worship on Saturday, the 26th of March, and then they're going to give a concert at 6.30 p.m. following that Saturday evening worship service, and there will be totally different music, so a different set of music for worship than for the concert. Uh, please mark that on your calendar to attend that special service and that special concert led by that special group. Uh, we'll also be gathering a door offering for their continued ministry, so we'll just be prepared for that as well. And we're going to have some snacks between the, between the service and the concert. So if you come at 5, you might get a little hungry by the time the concert is over at, at say, 7.30. So we'll have a little, uh, some wonderful volunteers from chapel are putting together some snacks for you uh, for between the service and the concert. Uh, make more information about that is in your chapel weekly. A reminder that beyond our prayers for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, we also are gathering funds to be shared through Lutheran World Relief to the refugees who are kind of flowing out from that country to, to neighboring countries. Those funds are going to be matched uh, by a, some generous donors. So, uh, and those funds were gathering through, through Easter Sunday. And all funds gathered, uh, as I said, will be matched. If you could, would like to give that envelope in the pew, you can use that. Just mark on, on it Ukraine or mark on your check in the memo line Ukraine and we'll make sure we get that where it needs to go. And more information about that is on that insert in your weekly today. We are also helping our refugee friends coming from Afghanistan and other places too through Christian Friends of New Americans. They have asked if, if we could gather for them some personal items such as soap and, and lotion, deodorant, shampoo, those kind of things. Um, and at the Welcome Center, we have a half sheet of paper with the needed items that we are collecting. If you can, go to the store next time you're there, purchase some of those items and bring them back to chapel. We will have a box there in, in, our, in our narthex to deposit your gifts for our refugee brothers and sisters. And then we'll send them on to Christian Friends of New Americans so then they can distribute to those those to those people who are really coming to this country with basically nothing. And uh, that helps them get a little bit of a start as they, as they move here to America. Thank you very much for your help with that. God's blessings to you as we worship this day. We begin our worship by singing together that opening hymn that you find at page two in your bulletin, Jesus Sinners Doth Receive. We stand to sing it together.
Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Congregation may be seated. Dear Christian friends, baptism is not merely a symbolic washing with plain water, but connected with the Word of God, it is a gracious water of life and a means by which God conveys the forgiveness of sins to this child and joins her to Christ's holy church. By the activity of the Holy Spirit in this sacrament, God's life is implanted in this child, and by God's grace, this life will grow and develop as it is nourished and fed by the gospel. Our Lord commanded baptism, saying to his disciples in the last chapter of Matthew, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Therefore it is God-pleasing that in obedience to his command and, and in trusting his promise, you should bring this child to be baptized in his name. Abigail, receive the sign of the Holy Cross both upon your forehead and upon your heart to mark you as one redeemed by Christ the crucified. St. Mark writes about the loving concern that Jesus had for little children. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, unless anyone who will, receive, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Dear parents, this child is God's gift to you, and God will hold you accountable for her welfare. You must strive to bring her up in the fear and the love of God and see to it that she is properly instructed in God's word so that the Spirit may lead her to understand and treasure this new life given to her in baptism. Her faith must be nourished. You must provide her with a Christian home and example and love her even as Christ loved you. Do you intend to do this gladly and willingly? Then declare so by saying yes. Man, Danielle, you are speaking on behalf of Abigail's sponsors, Patrick and Darcy. It is your responsibility to testify in the child's stead that by holy baptism as a means of grace, she obtains and she possesses the saving faith in the one true God and renounces the devil and his wicked works. Moreover, after this child has been baptized, you should at all times remember her in your prayers, put her in mind of her baptism, and lend your counsel and your help, especially if she should lose her parents as she may be brought up in the knowledge and the fear of God according to the teachings of the Lutheran Church and faithfully keep her baptismal promises to the end. Do you intend to do this gladly and willingly? Then declare so by saying yes. yes. Will the congregation please stand? It is your responsibility as fellow saints and members of, the, of Christ's holy church to be witnesses of God's redeeming love to this child. You must love her, pray for her, and through agencies of Christian education, assist the parents in the instruction and the training of this child. Do you intend to do this gladly and willingly? Then declare so, all of you, by saying yes. Yes. Let us then confess the faith into which Abigail will be baptized in the words of the Apostles' Creed as that's printed in your bulletin. Together we confess our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. May God enable all of us to be ministers of his love to this child and with his grace fulfill what we are enabled to do. Amen. You may be seated. Abigail Ruth Curley, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given you the new birth and holy baptism, and has forgiven you all of your sins, strengthen you with his grace, and give you life everlasting. Peace be with you, Abigail. 
Amen. Let us pray. Almighty and most merciful God and Father, we thank you that you have granted Abigail the new birth and holy baptism and made her a member of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and an heir of your heavenly kingdom. As she has now become your child, keep her in her baptismal grace so that she may ever lead a godly life to the praise and the honor of your holy name. And finally, with all your saints, obtain the promised inheritance of heaven through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord and giver of life, look with kindness upon the parents of this child and upon all parents. Let them ever rejoice in the gift that you have given to them. Strengthen them in their own baptism that they may share eternally with their children the salvation you have given them through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Abigail, we welcome you into the Lord's family. We receive you as a fellow member of the body of Christ, a child of that same heavenly Father. And receive this burning light. Dan, I'm going to give that to you. May that light symbolize the light of Christ now alive in your heart. Live always by the light of Christ. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you from this time forth and even forevermore. Go in his peace. Amen. Can you all come over here so we all can see Abigail? We welcome Abigail Ruth into the family of God. We continue our worship as we stand and confess our sins. Page four in your bulletin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to the Lord. Holy God, Gracious Father, I am sinful by nature and have sinned against you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved others as I should. I deserve your punishment both now and forever. But Jesus, my Savior, paid for my sins with his innocent suffering and death. Trusting in him, I pray, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Our gracious Father in heaven has been merciful to us. He sent his only son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life as the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. Therefore, as a called and ordained servant of Christ and by his authority, I forgive you all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks be to God. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. 
Lord be with you. Let us pray. Gracious Father, you have shown patience with us sinners who deserved your wrath. Turn our hearts away from sin and to the Lord Jesus Christ, that we may know the power of his life in us and bear the good fruits of your kingdom in our daily lives. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. The Old Testament reading comes from the 33rd chapter of Ezekiel. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you will surely die, and you do not speak out to dissuade him from his ways, that wicked man will die for his sin and I will hold you accountable for his blood. But if you do warn the wicked man to turn from his ways, and he does not do so, he will die for his sin. But you will have saved yourself. Son of man, say to the house of Israel, this is what you are saying. Our offenses and sins weigh us down, and we are wasting away because of them. How then can we live? Say to them, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why will you die, O house of Israel? Therefore, son of man, say to your countrymen, the righteousness of the righteous man will not save him when he disobeys. And the wickedness of the wicked man will not cause him to fall when he turns from it. The righteous man, if he sins, will not be allowed to live because of his former righteousness. If I tell the righteous man that he will surely live, but then he trusts in his righteousness and does evil, none of the righteous things he has done will be remembered. He will die for the evil he has done. And if I say to the wicked man, you will surely die, but he then turns away from his sin and does what is just and right. If he gives back what he took and pledged for a loan, returns what he has stolen, follows the decrees that give life, and does no evil, he will surely live. He will not die. None of the sins he has committed will be remembered against him. He has done what is just and right. He will surely live. Yet your countrymen say, the way of the Lord is not just, but it is their way that is not just. If a righteous man turns from his righteousness and does evil, he will die for it. And if a wicked man turns away from his wickedness and does what is just and right, he will live by doing so. Yet, O house of Israel, you say, the way of the Lord is not just, but I will judge each of you according to his own ways. This is, the way, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Our psalm of the day is Psalm 85, and we speak it responsibly. You showed favor to your land, O Lord. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people and covered all their sins. You set aside all your wrath and turned from your fierce anger. Restore us again, O God, our Savior, and put away your displeasure toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger through all generations? Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. I will listen to what God the Lord will say. He promises peace to his people, his saints, but let them not return to folly. Surely his salvation is near those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs forth from the earth, and righteousness looks down from heaven. The Lord will indeed give what is good, and our land will yield its harvest. 
Righteousness goes before him and prepares the way for his steps. The epistle reading comes from the 10th chapter of 1 Corinthians. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered over the desert. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things, as they did. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan revelry. We should not commit sexual immortality, as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test the Lord, as some of them did, and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble, as some of them did, and were killed by destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us, on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. This is the word of the Lord. Eyes. From ye 
some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated as we sing our hymn of the word.
Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Why do bad things happen to good people? Have you asked that question before? I think if we're honest, a lot of us would probably say, yeah, I've had that question. Why do bad things happen to good people? I visited Pastor Glenn at the rehab hospital on Friday. He's, he's making slow but very good progress, and he's just got a, a wonderful attitude. But as I left that place, as I left Jefferson Barracks, I was thinking in my mind, if, if I were in his shoes, I think I'd be asking that question. He's not asking the question, but I think I'd be asking the question, why did this happen? Why did this happen to my spine? Why can I not walk? Why, God, did it happen? On Tuesday night, maybe you heard the story, the University of the Southwest golf team was returning to campus after a tournament when a pickup truck blew a tire and suddenly veered in front of their van. That crash killed nine people, including the 13-year-old driver of that pickup truck. And we ask, well, why do things like that happen? Why do bad things like that happen? Anytime I, I check the news, I hear that terrible war in Ukraine. The UN estimates that one in five Ukrainians have been displaced by the war. Hundreds of civilians have been killed. Thousands of soldiers have been killed. The World Health Organization verifies 43 attacks on hospitals and on health facilities. I was reading a story in the New York Post, and, and they quoted a woman named Elena in Mariupol. It said this, we are trying to survive somehow. My child is hungry. I don't know what to give him to eat. And you hear that. You see what's going on. And you just have to ask, oh, why does this happen? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why? And, and sometimes, for sure, that why is kind of asked in, in resignation, you know, not, not looking so much for an answer, but just kind of with a sigh of acceptance. Oh, why does this happen? But other times, it is a deep and an earnest question aimed right at the Heavenly Father. Why God? Why would God allow such a thing to happen? What, what has anybody done to deserve that kind of tragedy? Why God? I'd be willing to bet that you have thrown a few why gods up to heaven, haven't you? That, that question that could come from a lot of different places. Maybe a personal tragedy that happened in your life, maybe a painful experience you've had. Might have come from a, a terrible sadness that you're going through or something that happened to you that was just absolutely unjust. And so you throw that question up to heaven, why God? And I've fielded those questions. They're not easy questions. Not at all. Why, God? Because we, we want to know, don't we? We want to know what happened to us. Was, it come sign a, was there some kind of reason to it? Make some kind of sense out of it. We want, to, we want some kind of meaning to come out of the tragedy. Well, Jesus was asked that question, too, in that gospel reading appointed for today. Why? Soldiers of the Roman emperor, or Roman ruler Pontius Pilate had stomped into the temple and they'd murdered people, mixed their blood with the sacrifices there. It was a horrible and, and a vicious and, and just a terrible crime. And one that made the people of that, of that place say, why God? Why did these murders happen? Why these people in particular? Now, some at that time thought that God struck down the victims because of some terrible sin that they had committed. Thought going, bad things only happen to, to bad sinners, sinners who deserve it, sinners who must have done something really, really, really bad that God would allow such suffering, such death to come to them. That's the thought. Some people still like that, still think like that today. In fact, I think a lot of people think like that today. Can't tell you how many sincere Christian people, as they perhaps look up at me from a hospital bed, ask, what have I done wrong? 
Why is God punishing me this way? Why God? When Jesus was asked that question, why, he gave an answer. In fact, he said, yes, I heard about those murders in the temple. And did you all hear about that construction accident in Siloam when that tower fell over and tragically killed 18 people that day? And he asked, are you thinking that there is some kind of direct connection between the way those people died and some sin that they committed? Are you going there? Are you thinking that way? If you are, that's not right. It doesn't work that way. God doesn't work that way. God is not some kind of capricious deity who, who, who zaps you with a lightning bolt whenever you get him mad or get him upset or get him a little bit annoyed. That's not what he does. He's not like Santa Claus, you know. Santa Claus who makes a list and he checks it twice, going to find out who's naughty and who's nice. God's not like that. God doesn't have this just massive ledger up in heaven. And if you do sin A over here, then you're going to get punishment B over here. No. He's not up in heaven just, just waiting to pounce on someone if you get a little bit out of line. Just, just waiting for somebody to goof up so he can really get you good. That's not God. God never wanted the people he made to suffer, to get sick to be hurt, to die. He created a perfect world, a world where there was no pain, no destruction, no death. Take some time this week and read through Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Beautiful chapters in Scripture. But then Adam and Eve sinned, and all of God's creation became polluted by sin. Sin opened wide the door to sickness and to natural disasters and to war and, yeah, to death. It's because we live in a broken world that people suffer. It's the collective sin of a polluted and fallen creation that causes terrible things to happen. So Jesus says, if you believe that there's this direct connection between the way those people died and the specific sin that they committed, Jesus says, well, then you just... You just don't get it. Jesus goes on, if you do want to get it, then you need to repent. See what Jesus does? He, he shifts the spotlight to where it belongs. He says, in effect, stop hypothesizing about the sins of other people and take a look in the mirror. Take a look at yourself and your heart and your life. Don't think that because it didn't happen to you that God must be so pleased with your goodness because you're just as sinful as the next guy, let me tell you. And if you think about it, death is breathing down your neck too. That should not come as a surprise to us. We are all going to die every one of us. And I know we don't like to hear that. And I know we don't like to think about that. But that should not come as a, as a shock, not at all. When the world is almost 8 billion people living in it, and the death rate, unless Jesus comes again, is going to be 100%. That's just the way it is. When sin came into this world, death came right along with it. And for some, that, that death may come earlier, but for some, that may come a little later. But death is still going to come. For some, death will come unexpectedly. Others will get a drawn-out series of warnings about their death. But either way, death is coming. So, if we know that death is coming, one way or another, the question that we should, we should ask should not be, why God? The question that we should ask should be, how can I be prepared for it? How can I be ready for that day, which is most certainly on its way? And Jesus gives an answer to that question. Repent. That, Jesus says, is the correct response to death. 
whether by war or natural disaster or disease or falling down towers or anything else. Because really, when you think about it, death is not the worst thing that could happen to you. Eternal damnation in the fires of hell. Now, that's the worst thing that can happen to you. See, death is a sign that things are not right. Things are not right in this world, and things are not right between God and humanity. I mean, that's why St. Paul says the wages of sin is what? It's death. And unless we repent, Jesus says, We are worse off than those Galileans in the temple or those 18 killed by that falling tower in Siloam. Repent. Confess your sins to God. Turn away from that way of life. And as we turn from that sin, we turn toward our Savior. We turn to Christ. Because our sin, that sin brings judgment and that sin brings death. But Christ, Christ brings forgiveness and he brings life and he brings salvation and we receive those gifts that he brings. He brings us from death into life. Scripture is so very clear about that. You know, we, we see how when Adam and Eve sinned, God came to them and he made them a promise, a promise that he would send a Savior. They did not deserve that. But God was there to help them, to provide for them, to save them. When his people were in slavery, he came to them and brought about their deliverance. They had not earned that in any way. But God came to them and he loved them and he delivered them. When the children of Israel wandered into sin, when the people worshipped false god. The Lord in love called them back. He called them back with a strong word of law and he called them back with a strong word of gospel. He forgave them, showed them a better way. When the chief priests and the religious leaders had Jesus condemned, when the government allowed his crucifixion, when his disciples deserted him, when Peter denied him, when he was mocked by the very people that he came to save, Jesus, from the cross, prayed for them. Father, forgive them. If we see God only as angry or vengeful or hurtful or harmful, then we need to repent. And we need to see him for who he really is. We need to look down into that manger of Bethlehem. And we need to see that Savior on the cross of Calvary and we watch how he suffered so we might be at peace. And we see how he died so we might have forgiveness. And we witness how he rose so we might rise and receive the gift of everlasting life. And that is not a vengeful God. That is a God of love. And that is not a ruthless God. That is a God of mercy. That is not an angry or a harmful or a hurting God. It's a God of grace. That is a God who will one day put everything that's wrong in this fallen and broken world right once again. Take that parable that Jesus tells about that fig tree. He says, a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Now, here in this simple little parable, Jesus shows us a God who is a loving Father. He is, as David writes in Psalm 103, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. God is patient with that tree. He plants, he waters, he fertilizes, he cares. Year in and year out, he takes care of it. Year in and year out, he calls to repentance, showing us our sin by his law, showing us our Savior by his gospel. And we, we are so often stubborn, so, so often slow, slow learners always looking at the sin of other people. 
But God is patient. God is merciful. He's persistent in his grace. You've got to marvel at the patience of the gardener. You've got to marvel at his patience that he has with you and that he has with me. Because so often we're fruitless trees. But we are loved by the gardener. And in his love, our Heavenly Father has given us time. Time for him to make his work in us. Time for Jesus to transform our lives by his grace. Time for Jesus to lead us from death into life. And why? There's that question again. Why, God? But a beautiful answer, again, comes from Psalm 103. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We continue our worship by gathering our offering to the Lord. stand for prayer. Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Hear our prayers, O God, for all who serve in your name, pastors, teachers, musicians, missionaries, district and synod officials, and all others who have been called to lead your people. Keep them faithful to the task that you have given to them, and use them to proclaim the gospel of salvation clearly to us and throughout the world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, we are faced with many challenges to our faith and our Christian life. Even your Son, whom you sent to live in the midst of sinful humanity, was faced with every, every temptation that we face, yet he did not sin. Strengthen our faith when we are tempted. 
Help us to recognize the challenges of the evil one and show us the way out which you promise to provide that in our thoughts, words, and actions we may honor and glorify you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord God, you have shown your gracious love to all people. Hear us as we pray for all those who have not yet heard the gospel of salvation. Bless the work of evangelists and missionaries everywhere that your love in Jesus Christ may be proclaimed to all people. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord of the church, we ask for your blessing on this body of believers. Keep us faithful to the task for which you have called us together. Let the gospel be proclaimed clearly in our midst and in our community. Give us courage to show your love in action as we meet the needs of our community. Make us generous in sharing, just as you have blessed us generously. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, remember your people who cry to you for mercy in a world where towers fall and sinners work evil. Deliver those in need of comfort and peace, especially our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. Strengthen them to look to you for help in this time of war and great affliction. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, we commend to your care all those who are ill or injured or who are infirm. Sustain them in their trials. Use them as your witnesses, even in their adversity. Grant them wise and compassionate doctors, nurses, therapists, and caregivers. And if it be your will, restore their health. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayer. Author of life, we pray for those who are mourning. And today we especially remember the family and loved ones of Teresa Miller, who died in the Lord yesterday morning. Wipe away every tear from their eyes with the knowledge that for the saints in heaven, there is no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for they see you face to face. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray with praise and thanksgiving along with those who are celebrating special gifts of your grace, Lord God. Especially today, we praise you along with Jason and Jennifer Curley upon the baptism of their daughter, Abigail Ruth. Guard and protect this, your child, and this family, and bless them in every way. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend ourselves and all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us ever to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. We stay standing as we sing our closing hymn together, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Amen.